Welcome to an EG Property Podcast from MIPIM 2023. This session covers the Invest City's focus. Tim Burke, Deputy Editor at EG, chairs the panel. Alongside him was Hugh Thomas, Leader of Cardiff Council, Paul Simpson, Chief Executive of Derby City Council, Gavin Hall, Head of the Department at Central South Planning Savills, Andy Street, Mayor of the West Midlands, and Pam Smith, Chief Executive of Newcastle City Council. Let's explore the exciting developments and investment opportunities in these dynamic cities. Okay, good morning ladies and gentlemen. A very warm welcome to EG's MIPIM Pavilion. Brilliant to see you all um, reasonably bright, reasonably early this morning. I'm Tim Burke, I'm EG's Deputy Editor. We're about to start the first of this week's Invest City Focus Sessions. We know that it's no longer business as usual for any of the cities listed on the display here or any other cities or, or regions around the UK. We know that the built environment has a huge role to play in helping those cities to transform. So over the next 50 minutes, we will hear from five representatives of cities around the country who will outline their vision for that city or region's future and the ways in which they see public and private sectors coming together to help to shape that. Each speaker on the stage has 10 minutes. They've been told they can't go over 10 minutes. I've been told they can't go over 10 minutes. We've got um, a colleague with a cane who can drag them from the stage if they dare to go over 10 minutes. I think we're going to be, I think we're going to be fine on, on that front. Um, and after the presentations, we'll have a short Q&A. So um, any of you who'd like to put questions to the panel will have an opportunity to do so. First to the stage, uh, please welcome Leader of Cardiff Council, Councillor Hugh Thomas. Good morning, everyone. Uh, good to see you here in Mippin. Um, and the slides work, that's even better. Um, so let's get straight to the sales pitch, get that out of the way. <coughs> Cardiff uh, and the Cardiff Capital Region is primed for investment. We've consistently been one of the fastest growing cities in the UK. We've got one of the best qualified workforces. Uh, over half the workforce is educated to degree, degree level or higher. Uh, we've got thriving new industries, especially in key sectors like fintech, cybersecurity, and the creative industries. And critically, we've built a multi-level government approach that is driving forward uh, what for Cardiff is an ambition focused around being a stronger, fairer, greener city. What does that mean in practice? Well, a stronger city uh, with an economy that's creating and sustaining well-paid jobs, with an education system that in turn helps our young people reach their potential, with good affordable housing in safe, confident and empowered communities all supported by well-resourced public services. Then a fairer city, where the opportunities of living in Cardiff can be enjoyed by everyone, whatever their background, where those suffering the effects of poverty are uh, supported and protected, and where a fair day's pay does indeed receive, uh, a, a fair day's work does indeed, indeed receive a fair day's pay, where every citizen feels valued and makes a valuable contribution. And critically, a greener city, through, uh, in which, uh, through our One Planet Cardiff strategy, we take a lead on responding to the climate emergency, celebrating and nurturing biodiversity within high-quality green public open spaces uh, that are within easy, rest, uh, within easy reach for uh, our citizens via convenient and affordable public transport. Now, our development agenda for Cardiff focuses on making a reality of the stronger, fairer, greener ambitions. It includes a focus on the city centre, 
uh, ensuring that development opportunities in the heart of the city uh, can benefit from good transport connections. It's also led by cultural and creative regeneration, focus on new leisure attractions, and it's underpinned uh, by a transport-led approach to regeneration uh, through uh, significant investments uh, in uh, a wider metro system. Looking first to uh, city centre regeneration. Our regeneration story in recent years uh, has very much been led by a project we called Central Square. This looks like CGI, but it is all now largely built out. A £1 billion scheme that was actually kick-started uh, here in MIPIM uh, a, a, about 10 years ago, anchored around a new headquarters for, uh, for BBC Wales, uh, centred around uh, the central train station. It's delivering a new business district for Wales, located in what is the most connected location uh, in the country. It replaces an old and frankly unloved bus station with new modern facilities uh, and the principles that run through the scheme uh, are based on bringing together clusters, clusters of knowledge based around business and also concentrations of uh, public transports. But it's absolutely taken a partnership approach uh, to deliver the scheme and this will be a theme throughout the presentation. The private sector, Cardiff Council, Welsh Government and UK Government. Uh, and as I said, largely complete but with new opportunities spinning off from adjacent locations. <coughs> One of the, those locations uh, is Canal Quarter, um, which is bringing uh, fresh life into uh, uh, an area of the, of the city centre in need of redevelopment, uh, anchored around reopening some of the old canals, uh, which 200 years ago were transporting coal through the city, um, covered over, uh, with new roads in the 1950s now being uh, reopened uh, as part of our placemaking uh, approach and part of our response as well to uh, the, the, the pandemic uh, in response to which we are creating uh, new places uh, to dwell in our city centres, places where people want to spend their time, spend their money uh, and um, reflecting I think what certainly we are in Cardiff are experiencing is that the death of the city uh, off the back of the pandemic has certainly been exaggerated uh, and in Cardiff we are seeing uh, footfall actually bounce back to pre-pandemic levels. <coughs> Likewise Central Quay uh, just to the south of, of the main uh, central train station continues the approach that we've delivered uh, north of that station extend extending the city centre southward through a, a, a mixed use scheme uh, which takes um, some heritage building buildings, uh, namely the old uh, Brains Brewery site, uh, and builds uh, new office uh, uh, retail and leisure opportunities around it, and actually building on for the first time in, in, in Cardiff's history onto the uh, onto the banks of the Taff River as well, <coughs> and then moving down uh, that same river uh, to Dumbles Road, just a very short walk from the city centre. Uh, again, a, a residential-led development uh, at Dumbles Road, taken forward by, uh, by Vastint, uh, in this case. 40-acre uh, site, all brownfield, all immediately next to the city centre, putting uh, a mix of uh, private and public housing within walking distance of, uh, of the CBD, um, reiterating, I think, the, the sustainable development principles uh, that we absolutely want to celebrate uh, in Cardiff. And all the projects that we're taking forward are, uh, like I said, underpinned by a transformation uh, in how you get around the city uh, and the city region. Uh, as, as part of the city deal, uh, we secured uh, over a billion pounds of investment into the electrification uh, of uh, our core 
uh, uh, rail network. Um, this covers half the population of Wales, focus on Cardiff, but also uh, uh, tapping into uh, our, our hinterland. Uh, over 100 uh, uh, stations uh, with the electrification pro uh, programme increasing frequency, uh, creating for the first time a turn-up-and-go service uh, for, the city, for the city region, <coughs> supported in turn by our specific uh, transport strategy for uh, the city itself, uh, centred on the ambition to deliver a cross-rail scheme uh, from the northwest of the city through to the east. And I'm delighted to say um, that we've started delivering this scheme now, having recently secured uh, £100 million of funding uh, jointly through the UK Government's Leveling Up Fund, match funded in turn by uh, Welsh Government to deliver the first phase uh, of that cross-rail scheme connecting Cardiff Central down to Cardiff Bay. Cardiff Bay, uh, you'll all be aware of, of course, was, was once Europe's largest regeneration project, uh, and uh, we are continuing that regeneration story uh, in Cardiff. <coughs> Uh, likewise, out in the east of the city, transport continues to be a, 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 a driver of regeneration. Uh, this is a, a, a business park opportunity which will be anchored around a brand new uh, train station, Cardiff Parkway, uh, in the east of the, of, the, of the city, but with a seven-minute connection to the city centre. And then, uh, just talking briefly about cultural-led opportunities, particularly anchored around the bay, we see uh, culture... Uh, as being synonymous with Cardiff as a driver of uh, visitor, visitor numbers in particular, uh, accelerating uh, the return of people to the city post-pandemic in particular. Uh, and this is very much anchored around uh, a new indoor arena, 15,000 plus capacity that the council is taking forward in partnership uh, with Live Nation. This is secured planning, uh, and we are going through the final stages of financial close uh, at the moment. Uh, a key part we see of uh, the uh, event offer uh, in, in Cardiff. We've obviously got the Millennium Stadium, the Principality Stadium, which, when you close the roof, uh, is a, a 70,000-plus capacity indoor arena. Um, the 15,000 arena down in the bay really um, fills in the missing piece uh, of, of that jigsaw and continues uh, the, regener the regeneration story of Cardiff Bay, as does uh, the International Sports Village project on the other side of the bay, um, there's an uh, Olympic uh, standard swimming pool and a white water rafting centre there uh, already. Uh, we are bringing forward plans for a new velodrome and other leisure attractions around uh, uh, residential developments as well. And just summing up, the, the key approach uh, that, you know, that underpins how we work in Cardiff is, is partnership. Uh, whether that's partnership with other tiers of government, Welsh Government, UK Government, partnership with our, our uh, regional colleagues uh, in the South Wales uh, in the South East Wales area through the Cardiff Capital Region or partnership uh, with our colleagues in the Western Gateway uh, ac across the estuary to, to Bristol and Bath, very much creating a powerhouse for the West of the UK, but also critically uh, a, a partnership with the private sector. Um, no project in Cardiff over the last three decades has been delivered without that partnership ethos between the public sector and the private sector. Uh, and the Cardiff Council offer to any investors in the room uh, is that we will work with you hand in glove to deliver your aspirations uh, in support of our stronger, fairer, greener ambitions as well. We've got a track record for delivery. I hope that presentation makes it clear that we've also got the ambition to go uh, even further. So um, thank you for your time this morning. Thank you. I particularly like the um, the.
the image of the crowds in the arena, I thought that was a shot of this very pavilion for a moment, but then I realized, um, I realized what it was. Uh, next to the stage, please welcome Chief Executive of Derby City Council, Paul Simpson. Okay, good morning everybody and uh, uh, welcome to MIPIM. Um, I'm going to, as, as you did, uh, I'm going to jump straight in and tell you a little bit about Derby. For those of you who don't know it, Derby is the high-tech manufacturing heart of the UK. We have global brands that you can see there uh, based in our city. The global headquarters of Rolls-Royce is in Derby. Uh, we build trains, we've got 11,000 people employed in the um, rail manufacturing and supply chain industry um, and we're home obviously to a significant number of SMEs and, and that support that global supply chain. Uh, some of you may not know however that Derby is also an incredibly strategic city. It is the city in the UK that is host to Rolls-Royce Nuclear who provide the propulsion system for the UK's nuclear deterrent. and. Um, you, may, you may have heard, uh, obviously there's a lot happening in Cannes this week, but the big news really is what happened in, in San Diego yesterday. Uh, because the UK government, along with the Australian government, uh, and obviously the American government, signed a deal for the provision of uh, a new fleet of nuclear-powered submarines for the Australian and American navies. That will provide jobs for Derby, thousands of jobs in Derby, for well into uh, the, the latter half of, of the, current uh, the, the, the current century. So Derby is, is home for um, high-tech manufacturing, as I said, and, and, and with that brings some of the UK's highest salaries outside of the capital. Derby, on average, has some of the highest uh, take-home pay uh, because a lot of people employed in, in those high-tech uh, uh, manufacturing industries. So the fundamental basics of Derby's economy is incredibly strong. And um, I guess that's also led to... Um, Derby being identified very recently as the fourth um, uh, most successful city in terms of small European cities of the future in the Foreign Direct Investment Strategy Awards. Um, and and that, that level of, of success has been mirrored by the significant investment that's taken place in the city over the last decade. Uh, and as you can see there from the slide, £1.4 billion invested over the last 10 years with a further six, just shy of £600 million in the pipeline. And that's a combination of both public and private sector investment. And just to give you a flavour of some of that investment, uh, Derby um, is home to the, the world's first smart park. This is a global um, first for the city, another uh, global first for the city, high-tech food manufacturing and production campus and distribution hub for the food industry to deliver food sustainability and to deliver it in a sustainable way using uh, sustainable technologies. Um, again, as Hugh was describing, um, this has been a combination of, of working across the public sector. So the city council has invested uh, along with the government, £17 million in this site. That's levering an additional £300 million worth of private sector investment, creating 5,000 jobs for the city. 
And again, that foreign direct investment, just, just, just within the last few weeks, we've announced two new schemes, two new um, uh, employers coming to the city. The first is Yatinga um, High Tech Manufacturing. They, they produce medical technology and they, they will have their, their new UK headquarters in the city. Uh, and they will be um, on, on the same site as, as Valent. And some of you may, may know them as um, uh, they produce uh, boilers. Uh, again, building on our theme of bringing new technology to uh, support the climate challenge, they're going to be manufacturing air source heat pumps in the city. And those two schemes alone uh, are expected to create hundreds of new jobs. Uh, Hugh was describing what they're doing in Cardiff, and 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 Derby uh, is 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 doing um, uh, its own version of that in terms of um, reimagining, re repurposing the city centre. And obviously, as in as we heard in light of the pandemic, I think the death of the city centre has has been um, a, has been um, much maligned, and and clearly we are seeing increased footfall coming back into the into the city. You can see there uh, on the left-hand side of the slide that is an, a new build-to-rent scheme in what we call our Beckettwell development. That's bringing 263 new apartments into the city centre, so bringing uh, increased footfall and city living. Uh, and alongside that, uh, Derby is also building a new purpose-built uh, arena, 3,500-seat uh, arena that's expected to generate something like uh, an additional £10 million in, in uh, gross value add to our local economy. That scheme is a £45 million investment by the, directly by the City Council and sits alongside private sector investment for the residential development of something like £37 million. So there's a significant uh, investment coming into Derby and the, and the performance venue is expected to generate an extra 250,000 visitors a year to the city. And again, building on that theme of cultural regeneration, um, we, ha we have recently been awarded £20 million from the Government's Leveling Up Fund uh, and working again in partnership with our university, the University of Derby and Derby Theatre, to create a new learning theatre in the heart of the city centre. Um, that, as I say, is a, is a partnership, it's probably a, a first between a city council and a university to build a purpose-built theatre. And I guess that theme of partnership working with the university is, is a really, really strong one in Derby. Uh, and on the slide there, you can see their new business school, which work is now underway. Um, the university, Derby doesn't have a university that's currently located in the city centre. It's, it's three or four miles out. They've got a, a vision to bring the university closer to the city centre. And these developments that you can see there are, are key to that strategy. Uh, th they recently um, uh, built a new law school um, and the, the site there you can see on the left hand side is a new purpose built business school uh, for, the, for the city centre and they've got plans to, to bring a city centre hub uh, which will be their new headquarters again into the city centre. Um, they now support privately built student accommodation um, and the, uh, the, the, the business school was funded by the issue of a £75 million bond and there was a strong appetite from capital market investors to, to come to Derby. And then in terms of that, that piece again around private and, and public sector working together to, to bring investment and, and change particularly to, to the city centre, the, the scheme you can see here is um, a, a, a new visual for a major residential development 
We have a, uh, a, a large shopping centre. It's one million square feet of prime retail and leisure space. It was previously Westfield. It was taken over uh, during the, the pandemic by Kale Street, who are Kuwaiti sovereign wealth fund backed. Um, that site uh, gets something like 20 million visitors a year. Uh, and the city council is working on a scheme just outside um, the bus station, which itself draws something like 12 million visitors a year. As the first phase, it's called uh, Eastern Gateway. That's been uh, funded through uh, Future High Street funding and City Council investment, and that will unlock this next phase of development, which again builds on some existing housing schemes that we've got in the city to develop a further 1,250 units uh, in the city centre, a new uh, opening to the shopping centre and a new public square. So again, hopefully you can get from that a real flavour of what's happening in Derby. Derby is a city on the up um, and, and we're incredibly proud of what we've achieved in, in recent years. And you can see there, that is a, a visual of the, the development that's taken place over the last 10 years. Those are shown in red. The schemes in green are those that are underway and the schemes in yellow are in the, are in the future pipeline. So if you are interested, there's members of Team Derby in the room, please come and say hello and uh, thank you for listening and enjoy the rest of the conference. Paul, thank you so much. A city on the up. I love it. Um, I bumped into uh, our next speaker at the baggage pickup at the airport yesterday, and if he presents like he collects his suitcase, then um, he's got, we're going to whip through this. Uh, efficiency personified. Um, please welcome Gavin Hall, uh, head of Central South Planning from Savills. Thanks, Tim, and morning, everyone. So I lead the Savills office um, down in Southampton, and Southampton is at the heart of the Central South. So the Central South is probably a term that a lot of you may not have been familiar with, but it is the UK's global gateway. And I'm just going to talk briefly on where the Central South is and some of the opportunities in the area and in the region that you can all get involved in. So this plan just shows the area on the south coast of England stretching from Poole, Bournemouth, Christchurch in the west, across to Southampton, up to Winchester, and then over to the east, across to Portsmouth and Chichester. So basically spanning the Solent and including the Isle of Wight. It's an area that has major natu natural assets, national parks. It's got huge areas of um, development potential. And with every cruise ship that comes into, Port into Southampton alone, that brings £2 million into the um, economy locally. It's also the sunniest place in the UK. <laughs> Central South is a densely populated area. It's got a huge catchment. Within one hour's drive from the area from the centre in Southampton, you've got three and a half million population. So huge opportunities. And for any of you out there looking at retirement living, you'll see that we've also got an ageing population. So as you can see there, the, uh, the Central South is over-categorised with the elderly population compared to the UK. But equally, over a quarter of the population are under 25. So we have an amazing emerging workforce. That, work, that emerging workforce is also added to by all the students. So 11 universities in the region, many of them in the top, top 10, top 20. And as you can see, spread across the whole of the region and bringing in huge opportunities and future talent. And that future talent is learning in major sectors that are the sectors that are going to grow. So the figures in the brackets show the potential growth over the next 10 years, and all of the main areas that people are learning in the area 
are going to grow by over 10 to 15 percent. That includes the life sciences, law, criminology, but also potential professions such as the Maritime Academy, leisure and tourism, media and film production. So some really new emerging opportunities, new emerging growth sectors, all well suited with a huge opportunity and talent coming out. One of the main issues that we're looking to do is to make sure that we retain that graduate workforce. It was really interesting listening to, to the Cardiff presentation. I trained in Cardiff, really interested to see how that city has emerged and moved forward over the last 20, 25 years, and plans that were in the making then are still coming to fruition. But as I said, the Central South has got huge opportunity. This is one of the largest UK natural harbours, Pool Harbour, major sunshine, but also major opportunities. So whilst we may appear like the affluent South, there are major areas of regeneration potential, brownfield regeneration on the waterfront available for developers to come forward. So this is um, Pool Pass Station down in Hulls Bay, so it's being promoted by BCP, so Bournemouth Christchurch Pool Council, and Future Places. So if anyone is interested in having a chat about that, then do come and talk to me afterwards. Moving across to the centre of the area, we've got the Solent Freeport. So the Solent Freeport is one of the first three freeports to be announced and to go through legislation back in December. And you can see here the, the variety of sites that cross six different local authority boundaries, so New Forest, Southampton, Eastleigh, Portsmouth, Havant, um, and Southampton City Council. So huge opportunities there. And the Solent Freeport is also known as Solent Cluster, which is working together for a low-carbon future. Um, a lot of the opportunities there are come about from the, the links, not just the sea links, obviously, with Freeport, but the air links, road links, and rail links. It's one of the most connected freeports in the country. And on top of that, recently Southampton International Airport got consent through the planning system, um, followed by JR, and got through the JR for the um, extension to its runway. So it's only 164 metres of concrete, but it was a long, hard battle, um, finishing a, a member's decision at 3 o'clock on a Saturday morning um, after two days of about 40 hours of online debate. Um, so you can see the blue, blue extension that there. And that is going to enable Southampton Airport to stretch its potential catchment from the kind of the main UK and kind of main kind of France and Germany, right across the whole of Europe, over to North Africa and up to um, Greenland and Iceland as well. So huge opportunities to come forward. So that runway extension also enables development to come forward at the airport as well. So the, the kind of darker area, the triangle patch that you can see there is the navigator quarter, a part of the Freeport. So you can see it turned around its head here, the development just above the sign navigator quarter that's going to come forward along with other opportunities across the rail network rail land um, to provide huge um, growth in just this one of the seven different locations, um, tax and custom sites in the Selden Freeport. So the site is 30 hectares. There's going to be half a million square foot of floor space created. It's going to bring in £124 million to the local economy um, and £97 million of retained rates that the Freeport will be able to use to invest into local infrastructure in the area, which, improves, which will lead to improving the um, road and rail links through this site and also across to Portsmouth into Southampton and down to the other um, areas of the Freeport down on the waterfront. Um, with Forley Waterside and Exxon, um, where they're developing hydrogen growth and really looking at the airport as an opportunity to provide electric flights to the Channel Islands, um, where there's a huge link back to Southampton, Inter uh, sorry, Southampton International Airport into the Southampton Hospital, um, which caters for a lot of the requirements of the Channel Islands health services. Moving across the east of the area, we've got Portsmouth, so the great waterfront city, 
the, the strap line, but it really is. And this is the sunniest place in the UK. So Portsmouth wins that title. Many of you will know Gunwolf Keys, major retail destination, um, Spinner Guitar, the Millennium Project um, that was developed and delivered slightly after the Millennium, but it got there eventually. Um, and in behind that, you can see the historic dockyard, home of HMS Victory and the Mary Rose. And if any of you get a chance to go down and visit that, it's an amazing opportunity. I think it was the anniversary recently of the Mary Rose being um, brought up from the seabed, and I remember watching that at school. Um, and it was preserved in a, in a kind of building, no, no air and water, just planning on it for years and years. It's now in a very interesting museum with lots of um, AI and new technology and virtual opportunities to really enjoy and see how that ship worked. But Portsmouth's also moving forward in terms of regeneration opportunities as well. So this is the city centre north, so a major area. Some of you might remember the Tricorn Shopping Centre that was redeveloped, knocked down. This development is going to take forward um, regeneration of that area to the north of the main city centre. It's going to be centred around a main park, major water, uh, open um, space for residents to come into the city and really kind of give that green lung, green heart to the city. It's going to provide over 2,000 new homes, 20,000 square metres of new commercial floor space, and it's on the site of about three, the size of three football pitches. So a major opportunity in the centre of Portsmouth um, to come forward for development. So that is just going through the planning process at the moment, but it really is being delivered to drive health and well-being, um, sustainable living in the city, so that people can walk into the city and really kind of break up some of the, um, if any of you know the area, some of the road network that really kind of starts stopping people just walking around the city itself. Um, Portsmouth is one of the flattest cities. It's also one of the densest cities, and I'm not talking about the population. Um, but as a result, walking and cycling is very well suited for. But unfortunately, the highway infrastructure does let it down because it becomes a concrete jungle. So this is going to change that. So that's a brief whistle-stop tour around the Central South. As I say, the Central South is this whole area, and one of the things that we're trying to del deliver and develop is having brought this concept to MIPIM last year and probably been originally been thought about 2019, 2020, um, it has really grown. So the idea is that we're not in the southeast, we're not in the southwest, it's that forgot forgotten about part of the UK. But that, forget, that forgot, forgotten part is now being recognised. So we've recently had the first inaugural meeting of the all-party parliamentary group up in Westminster to look at driving forward this area and make sure that this area gets the focus that it really deserves. The Central-South Partnership, talking about the partnerships that we've been talking about previously, is very much public-private sector-led. So a lot of the developers, investors coming into the region, consultancies like Savills, Blake Morgan, who are in the room as well, alongside the local authorities, so all the local authorities in this region and the LEP and the Southern Freeport, as well as major um, occupiers and investors, including the universities, the hospitals, all part of um, Central South, and really driving forward the opportunities for investment. You'll notice on your seats there are some magazines and some invitations to an event later on today. Out of interest, did you know that the combined Surrey and Hampshire region accounts for 47% of national space-related turnover? So again, punching above its um, par. And equally, Hampshire wines are so good that even major French houses are now buying vineyards in the Central South region to produce their wine. So you might be drinking some English wine whilst you're out here. So that is the Central South. Um, these are all the partners, as you can see, and the major contact details. If anyone wants to come and visit us, we're down in the bunker, uh, P-1J2. There's a lot of opportunities on the stand, so do come and talk to us a bit more, and I'll be around afterwards. Thank you.
Thank you, Gavin. Um, I don't know if we've got Hampshire wines at any of our drink receptions this week, but I think it could be something that we look into, uh, look into for next year's event, if not. Um, gives me great pleasure to introduce our penultimate presentation. Uh, this will come from Andy Street, West Midlands Mayor. Thank you. Thank you very much. Good morning, everybody. Lovely to be here. We are not the sunniest place in Britain. We definitely don't have any wines, but the canal water can be drunk. Right, let's have a little look at what's going on in Birmingham and the West Midlands. I've got a few slides just with a few pictures, which hopefully will tell our story. It's one of confidence, re-emergence, feeling upbeat, and uh, I'll tell you why. So that's me, we know about that. So Birmingham, the heart, and the West Midlands, the heart of the country in every sense of that word. Obviously geographically, emotionally, and economically as well. Let's have a little look. So a vibrant multi-city region, three cities, Wolverhampton, Birmingham, Coventry, four boroughs, Warsaw, Wolverhampton, Solihull, and Dudley. And of course, we love people coming, us hosting, because you do sense that vibrancy and uh, the youth to it and we saw it of course last summer better than ever before when Birmingham hosted the Commonwealth Games a celebration across the whole of the West Midlands from Cannock to Leamington and I think everybody who interacted with it had an incredible time and the stats say 80% of people in the UK now have a much improved impression of our region than before so if anyone's thinking of bidding for this in the future get your bids in it's definitely a wonderful thing uh, to uh, do but it's about the head and the heart so the heart says emotion welcome the head says it's also the place that's been leading in terms of winning international investment outside London for each of the last five years and we'll talk about some of the brands there in a bit some of the underlying features we do have brilliant connectivity the heart of the country at airport going from strength to strength those are the pieces of data there just re-establishing the link to Qatar the new Saudi airline coming so clearly connected in that way and of course uh, connected uh, in terms of the road network. 92% of all businesses within a four-hour drive of the West Midlands. And most importantly, the HS2 link to Birmingham is on target. Despite all the uh, news last week about delays elsewhere, the two stations in Birmingham and Solihull will open on the latest timetable and we will be connected to London in under seven years from now. And of course, in the property cycle, that means it's really happening very quickly. £40 billion, we should remind ourselves that's just leg one, and that is the biggest infrastructure investment anywhere in Europe. In terms of the economy, the data is clear. Largest combined authority economy in the UK. And we pull out manufacturing because it's still so, so, so important to us. So the biggest manufacturing cluster, and for any region, the share of manufacturing is higher in the West Midlands than anywhere else. Population 4.7 million, so on the scale of a small European country, and that matters to compete, to have an economic plan for the region. But the stat and other people offer their stats around this, but ours is really quite dramatic. The youthfulness of the population, a quarter of our population in the region under the age of 20. We are not the young, Birmingham is the youngest city in all of Europe. Huge advantage in terms of future employment. And of course, we are the most diverse place as well. And Birmingham now is a majority non-white city. Again, that mixing point of cultures, we see it as a huge advantage to us. As I say, diversity is our strength, and we told that story with great confidence and modesty in the Commonwealth Games opening ceremony last year, which was all about our history and what we've become as literally the melting plot of the Commonwealth. 
home to global brands, a number that we've been really proud to bring in in recent years. This is the HSBC UK headquarters now in central Birmingham and obviously wonderful to be able to talk about them after yesterday's uh, dramatic news about their role. Brands like Goldman Sachs obviously also choosing the city as their headquarters in uh, a last couple of years ago they came to us. But it's not just the economic piece. It's also this fuller offer, as others will have said in their own ways as well. And if you think of the history from Shakespeare through Tolkien and, of course, to Peaky Blinders, the phenomenon that is, of course, taking the world over. You can get the gear in New York or Singapore or Adelaide. You get the gear. And the rich culture, of course, Birmingham, the city that has the ballet, the orchestra and, of course, the theatre. All elements coming together as well, of course, with younger, more innovative culture as well. The birthplace of rugby and did you know we might not be top of the league at the moment but also the football league founded in our region as well. So the culture, the, the, the sporting history of course established and we celebrated it as I said with the wonderful Brummy Bowl of the games last uh, summer as well. Now then in terms of our economic pitch going forward and our message at MIPIM it's really simple. We take all those underlying ingredients of success and we tell the story of innovation. This is the place for investment around the cutting edge new innovative sectors. So we are the only multi-city 5G testbed in the UK, best connected of any region in terms of 5G technology, about 50% of our population now with access to 5G. We are the first future mobility zone in the UK. Think of electric vehicle manufacturing, the battery sector, very much concentrated around Coventry. So brands from LEBC to Polestar to Lotus all setting up their e-vehicle manufacturing in and around Coventry. And of course, increasingly, we're a centre for what we call data-driven healthcare. And again, that advantage that we have, the diversity of our population being the perfect place for drug trials. We say to drug companies, you can have the population of the world in one city in Birmingham for your trials. And then if we turn to creative and digital technology, a fast growing area of our economy, our tech sector grew by four billion pounds last year and is by any standards, the fastest growing tech sector anywhere in the UK. And our biggest sector, of course, business and professional services. And we're seeing, again, how the tech sector is blending with this to bring new financial fintech companies to the region as well. And the fastest growing area of our economy now, low carbon, and particularly taking our manufacturing expertise and applying it to the green sector. So green manufacturing, the fastest growing area of the economy. All, of course, underpinned by the talent that we have going forward. And again, I've heard others say similar things. The fact is the West Midlands has the highest number of students coming forward every year, particularly strong in the STEM subjects and in engineering as the attractor for investments. And that's why we're confident, as I say, of our, our position in the health sector as we go forward. This, our new health innovation campus. And one of the big ideas that we're selling at MIPIN this year, the Knowledge Quarter, at the other end of the HS2 line from London. So we have the Knowledge Quarter in King's Cross bleeding into Euston at our end with Aston University, Birmingham City University, a vast undertaking indeed right there for a concentration of knowledge-intensive industries. The other HS2 station is at Arden Cross, probably the biggest investment site in the whole of the country, certainly the most attractive investment site in the whole of the country in Solihull, the first stop outside London. Brilliant news since last year. Muse have stepped forward as the master developer 
for this site in the city centre. We'll be talking more about Smithfield, a huge Lend-Lease development, actually the biggest urban regeneration site in the country. And in Wolverhampton, our expertise in brownfield regeneration, a wonderful scheme that we'll be talking about. Canal side, the clues in the title there. Consequence of all of this regeneration is that we are achieving our housing numbers, if not slightly surpassing them, which is obviously a very good thing to be able to say. And then in terms of urban, urban regeneration, one of them that I am particularly proud of, again in the last year, we've secured the funder from Hill & Co for the regeneration of Coventry City Centre. This is an entertainer housing-led housing redevelopment, and I think this will end up being the exemplar of uh, city centre tired retail areas being regenerated and the vibrancy of Coventry's economy enables that. So that's the story. We're feeling confident. We're open for business. And if you want to come and see our pavilion, it's just on the Quasette. Thank you very much indeed. Andy, thank you so much. Um, I lived in Birmingham for a number of years and returned last weekend for a stag do, and I can confirm that it is very much a vibrant and youthful city. And I can also confirm that by the end of my weekend, I realized I was neither vibrant nor youthful. Um, final presentation, I've already had a, a, a teaser from this and have learned something, so I think, uh, I think you all will too. Please welcome Pam Smith, Chief Executive of Newcastle City Council. Good morning, everybody. And uh, yeah, I'm here because shy bends get out, which is a phrase from Newcastle, which means if you don't ask and you don't put your best foot forward, then you don't get anything. Um, and so some facts about Newcastle, I think, um, that you might be interested in. So we have the second largest light rail system in the UK, second only to London. So when I say I'm talking to my colleagues in London and I say I'm on the underground, they presume I'm in London. I'm not. I'm in Newcastle. Um, we are the best for foreign direct inward investment. We are first per capita. We are better than London. We're better than any city in the UK. And that's because when you come to Newcastle, we're open for business and we want to make sure that the private sector and the public sector work together and we welcome all investment. We are the smartest city in the UK, ranked 2021, and our capability in terms of digital is growing. We're attracting new digital companies, cyber technology, for example, Arctic Wolf from the States. We are there looking at making sure we've got as many unicorns as possible in that, uh, in that space. A few other facts for you. We have the best university um, in Northumbria, and we make sure that we shout loud about that. We have got five universities um, within uh, our region. We have just done a 4.2 billion a devolution deal, uh, which is uh, out to consultation with our public at the moment. We're making sure that we make the most of our investments. So we have, I can't stand up here and not talk about One Club, One City, Newcastle United, of course. Um, and um, we have um, investment coming from the uh, football club. We also have the BBC investment, which is uh, growing in terms of our creative and our cultural offer. And we also have the fantastic uh, Sage Building, which is going to be a new convention centre, £350 million, uh, which is going to attract over a million visitors. 
and we want to make sure that um, the public and the private sector are joined in that venture. We want to make sure that you are able to invest in the city and make sure that you're a part of our journey and our future. What we also want to make sure is that we make the most of this investment. So this isn't just about coming investing, this is about being a part of our journey, making sure that we integrate social value into all our investments. We want you to be a part of the city. We don't just want you to come to the city. And many people have come to the city recently and there's, a, there's a lots of names up there um, that you may or may not be familiar with, but these are Norwegian companies, Spanish companies, Japanese, Irish companies, and they chose Newcastle because they know when they come to invest that they're going to work with a team of people, the universities, the council, and also our other public sector bodies. And we work together very easily and quickly. We can take things from very beginnings and move them on in terms of making sure that they come to fruition. So you'll find that we're very, very friendly. Another fact that you might not be aware of, but our city fibre was laid 415 kilometres of it in our city centre, beneath our city centre, and that's what makes us one of the best connected cities. We also have um, high capacity for network routing. So our, we're the quickest way to Europe and the US. We have particular capability in our digital. And we also have capability in a number of sectors. What we're particularly proud of, and I'm going to put these up, is our offshore wind. We have the biggest offshore wind in the UK, in the world, Dogger Bank, it could be three times as big if we make sure we um, maximise that investment. We also have a deep water port uh, in the north of Tyne. We, uh, as part of our devolution deal, we are looking to bring the three ports together, Blythe, Sunderland and North of Tyne. We're leading the fourth industrial age because we've got the geography to lead the fourth industrial age. Not many cities have a coast, a tidal river, and the countryside that we that we have and that makes us very very unique and a unique investable proposition and what we want to try and do is we have a tradition we have a great history in the industrial revolution with our shipbuilding and our coal but we are leading the fourth green industrial age that's partly because of our geography but it's a lot to do with our history and our skills that we have so we're not moving from um, a place where we don't have a foundation of those skills we do and we have a great deal of work with our universities where they're working with our supply chain to make sure we have the skills for the future so I'm saying if you want to join us on the journey to lead the fourth industrial green age then come and talk to us and our um, stand is just over there on the left hand side so down to some specifics which i know you'll be interested in uh, we have a campus for aging and vitality which is a 29 acre site this isn't just about building houses this is about changing lives this is about test a test bed for those products as we age our aging population yes we have 55,000 students who choose to come to newcastle to study and we keep a lot of those students but we have to recognize we are an aging population and what we want to do with this site is to make sure that we develop the products and the housing and the life sciences capability on this site to future proof our population 
and we will be giving some talks later over in the stand. If you want to come and find out more about that, then Nick Palmarini will be able to talk to you. So we're really keen that this is a partnership model, that this is an investable model, but also it's about looking to the future and what are those future products that are going to enable us to move, move forward. We also have another site, which is uh, Pilgrim Place, which is well underway. Um, and this has attracted 9,000 HMRC jobs on the site. Um, the economic impact of this site is not to be underestimated on the city centre, but it's just one part of what we're doing. There's a hotel and various other um, office blocks that are going up in that area. We have a very mature scheme at um, Newcastle Helix, which is well underway. We have had extra demand for lab space, so we're going to be growing that lab space because we are um, a test bed for innovation. So that's another scheme. If you want some more, more details about that, go to the stand. And this is what it looks like. So you can see that it is built out. Um, it is an existing scheme, but there is still more work to do and more investable propositions. We also have um, this historic Stevenson Quarter and Fourth Yards where we're looking at making sure that we preserve our heritage around Stevenson's Rocket, but we also capitalise on it. And next to the um, railway station is Fourth Yards, which is over 20 acres. Again, this is about making sure that we have um, the right housing, the right communities. And for those of you who are familiar with uh, King's Cross, I would say this is King's Cross of the North, and it is making sure that we, cap we capitalise on that. Lots of people have talked about um, culture, um, so what can I say about uh, Newcastle culture? Um, we've been voted one of the happiest places to live. Um, we have been uh, voted one of the best places to live. If you want to come and live your best life, which is really important to your workforce, so you can go surfing in the morning on our coastline and you can be in the city centre within 20 minutes. So if you want to do that, if you want to attract your workforce to us, then we're happy to do that. We're a multicultural, we are a really energetic city. We host you know, the Rugby World Cup. Um, we have the Great North Run in the city. If any of you have, have uh, run that, I've run it twice many years ago, but I've run it. But we are the friendly city. You will be very, very uh, welcome. But also you'll be able to offer your workforce um, a lifestyle which they will be attractive uh, to them. And of course, I couldn't stand up here without talking about the iconic uh, bridge, which, by the way, is uh, undergoing a paint job. Uh, from the uh, from the autumn, uh, which is uh, well deserved. We need to look after our heritage. So we're going to lead the fourth industrial age. Uh, we've got the geography to do it. We've got the workforce. We've got the innovation. Um, we've got a national centre for ageing. We've got the national data centre. We've got the global subsea hub. We've got the national um, centre for energy and integrated energy so if you want to be a part of that journey and be pioneers for the fourth industrial age then please join us thank you very much pam thank you so much and, and thank you to um to all of our guests. We've got about 15 minutes set aside for questions, so um, we've got quite a packed room. I wanted to go straight out to you guys in case you have any burning questions that you'd like to put to any or all of our panelists. One right here, straight away. Thank you, everyone. Can you hear me? 
Thanks everyone, um, I really enjoyed that panel and I, I love the focus on pushing the green agenda forward. Um, there's an argument in the industry that more needs to be done to incentivise the property industry to um, basically push the circular economy forward. So in the Netherlands, I think it's something like 30% of all materials need to be used in any development. So I just wondered, are you, and if so, how, are you working with the private sector, public sector, um, to yeah, push that agenda forward and to embrace that circular economy that will um, obviously contribute towards our green goals. Who'd like to jump in first? Yeah, um, great question. And um, the, the scheme I put up in the slides, the, uh, the new learning theatre, that is on an existing site that is uh, 1970s uh, facility. It's, uh, um, it's been closed for a number of years now due to a damage uh, from a fire. Um, but as part of the plans for the learning theatre, we are looking at, at the possibility of using something like 25 uh, to 50% of the existing structure to, to then build on in terms of the, uh, in terms of the new learning theatre. So that's, that's just, just one example, I think. Um, we've got another scheme, um, uh, a, a, a much more modest scheme, but working with a, a community interest company to repurpose a site in the city centre using the, the metal frame of an old building to build a new, uh, uh, I guess, green-themed cocktail bar. Um, so it, there's, a, there's the, you know, there are particularly, we've heard a lot uh, from colleagues this morning about young people, and I think, I think that is where, you know, that's where the, these ideas are going to come from in terms of they want to see buildings being repurposed. And we heard there about, uh, you know, maintaining looking after our heritage so there's a there's a combination of, of opportunities to build on bring new development but also um, I, I guess that that maintain our heritage is also obviously an important aspect of that just to jump in quickly because we're only 15 minutes so uh, the market wants this is the first thing to say what we're seeing in central Birmingham is that uh, uh, office acquirers would much rather have a repurposed building than a brand new building the question is what we're doing to drive this market. So we have a considerable amount of cash that we use to subsidize the market, both for homes and commercial developments where there's a viability gap. We demand in that uh, the net zero credentials. Now to be really clear, because I don't want to overpromise, we're not yet as an absolute, you must have a net zero outcome, but we're heading towards that. And certainly in our assessment, that counts heavily. And of course, we are also looking, and it's not the same question, but it's, uh, it relates to it, what we're looking about in terms of new methods of construction as well, and the efficiencies there. So we're using our cash to drive out the right outcomes. And just to say, um, Cardiff has been doing the circular economy for many, many years now. Uh, we're probably the, one of the leading uh, cities in the world for recycling. Um, the last quarter of the data is available for uh, our recycling rates for municipal waste was at 62% uh, of all municipal waste being, being recycled. So we've been living and breathing this for many, many years um, with a, a aspiration and a plan to get to net zero carbon for the council uh, by 2030 alongside uh, a similar ambition for the wider city, uh, although you know, some, some significant challenges to, to get there. Let, let's acknowledge that. 
Um, in terms of housing in particular, um, you know, we have a, a really well-developed um, council house building scheme, one of the biggest council house building schemes in the country. And uh, whilst all um, council homes that we have built are, are better than um, building standards, um, we've got some specific pilots actually achieving um, net zero or even better than net zero, actually contributing back to the, to the grid um, using some innovative uh, design techniques like, like, like modular housing, solar panels, uh, and, and, and all the rest of it. So uh, what we are really trying to do now with that public sector leadership is then mainstreaming that into the private sector as well, uh, alongside uh, you know, a, a really balanced mix of brownfield and greenfield development uh, in, in the city. So thank you. You know, in, in Newcastle, we were one of the, um, well, we were the first uh, university, council and NHS um, hospital to declare a climate emergency for 2030. We've been focusing on the retrofit of housing and making sure that we understand how we can do that as effectively as possible. So that's been really uh, key to our plans. We've been recognised as one of the cities as a global climate change leader, which I think is really important. Um, so we're making sure that we focus on that 2030 uh, net zero target. Thank you. Just to uh, follow up, so uh, Portsmouth City Council are developing a major opportunity at Tipna West. Um, and they've just appointed a new sustainability enabler to come forward to look at that as a critical friend to really make sure that they're driving forward the, um, the circular economy argument. Part of that down the south coast is looking at issues such as nitrates and phosphates that are having a huge issue on the Solent and elsewhere in the country. Um, and so we're looking at the opportunity to put reed beds in, new oyster beds, new oysters being grown and farmed in the, in the Portsmouth Harbour SPA, Special Protection Area, and that is developing bringing back the, the kind of the original status of that area um, and bringing back the, the kind of the balance back to the, eco the ecosystem in the area. Andy, um, you were talking about some of the big corporate occupiers that have come to Birmingham. You touched on HSBC, you touched on Goldman Sachs, which was a, which was a huge win. When you get those occupiers choosing your city and, and it works well, what does that bring with it? What is built up around those big corporate names that, um, that drives forward the economy in terms of the, 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 the sort of knock-on effects from having them as an occupier? So I think there's three very quick things, sorry. Three quick things in answering that. First of all, confidence, and you can't put a value on that word, but it means we come out here and far more important go, uh, go in one-to-one -one discussions and actually there's a sort of, uh, there's a stamp of approval from someone like mm -hmm. Goldman Sachs, obviously. The second thing it, it does is it draws, there's a, there's a whole virtual circle around talent. If you ask Goldman Sachs why they came, it wasn't because the office building was better, it wasn't because the rents were lower, it was because they could find the people to make their, their business a huge success. And by the way, they, didn't, they came saying they'd have 100 people, they're now on about 800 people because they have found the talent. But it also draws other people in, frankly, to come to the region. And one of the things that gives us great confidence in our future is that we're seeing net positive migration from the southeast to the West Midlands now because of those pieces. But I will admit the third problem that is there is that we still, despite all the positive numbers I've talked about, we still have some people who are not participating in the economic renewal of the West Midlands. And for them, it gives hope and it gives opportunity and it gives a sort of talent, uh, uh, what's the word, an aspiration, something to aim for. And in a place that's gone through severe deindustrialization, that sort of notion of aspiration is still really critical. Yeah, absolutely. <coughs> Any other questions from the floor? Duncan, please. Uh, so I came in late, uh, I, from 
sorry, I, I didn't hear any mention of leveling up. Uh, Pam talked about a devolution deal. Is that now where the traction is and is leveling up now a kind of policy which is just fading and dying? So, so Cardiff uh, was, was successful in a levelling up fund uh, bid uh, a few weeks ago and secured a £50 million contribution from the UK government, match funded by Welsh government for uh, the first phase uh, of our Crossrail scheme. So that's a big win. You know, we, we take a lot of confidence from that. Uh, but I think we'd all, as local politicians say, there's, there's, there's room to improve the, the way the levelling up fund uh, works. Uh, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a competitive bidding process at the moment. Uh, I think there's a more collaborative way you could develop the process. But I think also, and this is a key point I make for UK cities as a pitch to government, uh, you look at our um, competitive cities in Europe and North America, they can uh, raise and keep so much more of their tax revenue uh, and invest themselves, whereas we have to go and have the conversation with, uh, with, with central government. And I think, you know, m making even greater inroads into, into devolution, uh, I think, would, you know, significantly unlock... Uh, potential and the scope UK cities have to, to de de delivering that prosperity we all want to see. I think, I think, they, uh, oh, I think devolution uh, is dri drives economic growth, there's no doubt about that and I don't think increasing the productivity of UK PLC will go out of fashion um, and that's what this is about, it's about making sure that we um, encourage all the talent across the north, the south the east, the west of the UK to be more productive and only if you invest in specific areas to increase that productivity are you going to increase the productivity of the UK PLC. So I don't think whatever you call it, levelling up uh, can't go out of fashion. I think just picking up on that, I think you're absolutely right that we're stronger together. And one of the reasons that the Central South has come forward is actually to combine several different local authorities in driving the region forward. Um, and the all-party parliamentary group recently was talking about looking at devolution again in that area. Um, there's been previous attempts but I think there's a real drive now for that because they recognise with the Freeport the opportunity to retain as you were saying the, the business rates um, for the next 25 years um, that, will be, that will be brought into the region from the Freeport provision enables a huge amount of growth of infrastructure um, and that money can be spent straight back into the local economy rather than going into government so I think there is, a, there is a certainly a drive in the Central South for um, devolution to assist the levelling up process. Yeah, we I, I might have missed it, but we, we've also got, we've received £20 million for the levelling up fund for our, our new learning theatre. It's more than, levelling up's not just about buildings though, is it? And it's not about a bidding process to government uh, for, for funding. It is about um, addressing some of those challenges in terms of social inequality. Um, so some of the schemes that we've got, I, I mentioned about Smart Park, we've got, um, that one, of the, one of the reasons they came to Derby was our workforce. Um, and that's 5,000 jobs and to me that investment of that combination of public private sector investment that is what leveling up is about and um, and actually just just building um, on, on Hugh's point about the the opportunities around devolution uh, the East Derby is part of the East Midlands new combined authority which we're, we're working on right here right now um, but I think I, th I think for me unless there is there is a response to enable places like the West Midlands, the East Midlands, Cardiff, Newcastle, um, elsewhere to raise more revenue themselves. I, I recently came back from a visit to Cologne and the last thing I did um, when I was booking out my hotel was pay a tourist tax. It was about 35 quid or 35 euros or something. And it's no wonder that Cologne as a city was, was vibrant, was prosperous, had fantastic infrastructure and decent public services. Um, we can't have um, decent public services unless we invest. 
Your question is fascinating because, um, and some of the answers are equally fascinating because it takes you to levelling up is a government policy and something has to have levelling up in the title for it to be happening and that's just not how I see it at all. Uh, we are all here talking about the economic futures of our regions or cities because that is what will deliver levelling up and it is a horrible mistake that we make so often that the government is somehow going to wave a magic wand and create levelling up. The private sector will create levelling up. The investments that each of us have talked about bringing into our regions, I will bet you that in each case they dwarf any public investment many times over. So we need almost like a psychological change of mind about this. Birmingham was the richest city in the Union in the 19th century because of the entrepreneurs of the region, not because central government gave us a lot of cash. And that is the fundamental thing we've got to get back to. Excellent. Well, listen, I think we are almost out of time there. Thank you so much to all of our guests. I think that was um, a really inspiring series of presentations, showed just how much uh, opportunity there is.